Y'all know what the fuck going down. You are now tuned in to episode 115 of Not Politically Correct. It's your boy, Rick McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What It Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, a.k.a. Uh, no Cap Charlie, a.k.a. Doped Up Danny, a.k.a. Smooth Job Johnny, a.k.a. Uh, FBI Mike, a.k.a. Hip Hop Harry, a.k.a. Uh, Hallway Jones, because your bitch had a ringtone at some point, and I know I was that nigga. So, you can find me at... A.k.a. Young Peanuts. Yeah, a.k.a. Young Peanuts. Shout out Danny. Danny, boy. Um, you can find me Danny? at uh, Rue McCoy. Donnie. 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 You know what I'm saying? Donnie. Even. <laughs> boy George. All of it. Um, you can find me at... Danny uh, Phantom. Paul. John. Ringo. <laughs> Paul George. Um... Again, you can find me on Rumor Court Rebel. That's for Snapchat and Rumor Court KPZ on Twitter all day, every day. Cody. Cody Russell. Yeah, you know your last name is Russell. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, the R is silent. See you, Russell, on every. Pause. See you, Russell. It's Russ, the barman, aka Teddy Russ, aka Smooth Fingers, aka Kid Universal, aka the Progenitor, aka School Wars Q, aka Russ the Bus. You're listening to the Quiet Storm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the Chatties of Snap as Thaddeus of Snap. Uh, Thaddeus Snap Chatties, Jesus. Thaddeus of Snap Chatties. I hate From Wilhelm Fowl. I have Candy Community, C A N D I D underscore C U P I D I T Y. I D I T. Idiots. Nice. Oh, man. So. Just so you guys know, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Not Politically Correct Podcast. You can look that group up and join the group for the festivities. We have a page you can like, NPC Podcast. You can do that for the internet numbers. We are on Twitter at Not PC Podcast. You can go ahead and follow us for more shenanigans. And you can go to SoundCloud, Podcast, Spotify, uh, Spreaker, Google Play, anything that you can listen to shit on except for Title because they're racist. I don't know where that came from, but it's going to be the thing from now on. Um, just uh, search. You. <laughs> not, doesn't like black people. He doesn't. You see them dreads. Um, just search "not politically correct podcast" and we will come up. You can listen to us. You can like us. You can leave a comment and tell us how good or how bad we are. We Isn't won't. politics exactly? <laughs> exactly. Isn't politics talk radio? Um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's they have talk radio for politics. So, I mean, are we? Are we? Would we be talk radio if we were on the radio? We are talk radio or E talk radio. Oh, wow. Look at us. And the E is for idiot. Right. <laughs> Phenomenal and shit. Uh, Spick it. Right. <laughs> now it's time for Spick it. 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 Sports. Michael Jordan is a playable character <laughs> in the PGA Tour two K twenty three game. Wow. There's a PGA. Uh, I just put that together. That wait, is there a PGA game coming out for real? Yeah, Schoolboy Q has been sponsoring like the last two or three of them, which I think is funny. But he's been golfing a lot. But yeah, Michael Jordan, which 
I, I just put two and two together because with a little bad weather, because um, two to twenty three and Michael Jordan actually, um, fun fact in in the National Ballers Association, he played as number twenty three for most of his career. Dude, so look at that. You know what's crazy? So fun fact. <laughs> so another fun fact about Michael Jordan since we're on Michael Jordan. So you know those two seasons he was out, right? So my brother, yeah. my brother, one and a half, um, something like that. Yeah. So my brother. Um, was with was here up down here with me and he was we were talking about this and he said that Michael Jordan they make it seem like Michael Jordan left the league for two years but he said that the truth is he was supposed supposedly suspended for gambling for two years did, like there's some like background did you not person. watch the, the did you not watch the last dance I did not watch the last part of the last dance no I didn't watch like the last like oh few episodes DJ Internet Explorer. <laughs> so they, I think it was the last names that they went over that, and both Michael and I think it was Donald Sterling said, uh, or David, no, what's his name? The, David the dead dude. That was him, right? <laughs> David Stern. There we go. That's a dead um, dude. <laughs> he's, they both were, no, that, that was a rumor going on. That did not happen. Which still, I guess, up for speculation because who's gonna say that they are gonna tell the full truth, you know? Right, right, right. But at the same time, also obviously with his dad dying, you know, it's like you know, there's a lot of variables. Mm. There's, there's also a conspiracy theory. But that word from the whore's mouth is no. <laughs> the horse. There's also a conspiracy theory that horses. Um, that's plural horse. Um, there's also a theory that. He, Michael Jordan, actually, his gambling has something to do with his father getting killed. Like, he owed yeah, money to they somebody. covered that, too. Yeah, man, damn. Did they, and I bet they said no about that, those liars. Um, you watched the first dance. <laughs> <laughs> Not the last one, for sure. Not the last one. <laughs> oh, man. Let's continue, Cody. What else is going on in sports, my brother? Um, oh, man. I was going to save this for the transition, but... This is basketball, also, so this is, you know, it's just funny. Um, NBA Live 2003 is the first certified platinum video game soundtrack in history with 1.3 million album sales worldwide. Really? NBA Live? Yes. NBA Live 2003? Yes. I, I know Ludacris is on that bitch somewhere. I just don't know where, but I know he got to be on that bitch if it's 2003. It got to be some Ludacris on that one. Huh. I wonder. Well, it yeah. looks like he's holding the plaque, so he's behind it, not on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dude, you know what? Uh, another NBA Live. NBA Live has always had some crazy-ass soundtracks, bro. Um, What was it? NBA Live 06? Oh, my God. They had one of the coldest Lupe Fiasco songs uh, called Tilted. It'd be like, Tilted, Brim Low. And this car, they got in this car, rolled by like, that was my shit. And I remember I would play the game just to hear that song. Like, I, was, I, like, I didn't really... I was not even really into video games at the time like that because I was, like, super into girls. But I was, like, turn the game on just to <laughs> hopefully to <laughs> uh, just to hopefully um, hear that record come on and shit. I was, like, that was my shit. And I, because my reason, I couldn't find it on the internet yet. Like, it wasn't, it, he ended up re-releasing it. Um, ended up getting released, I think, on his uh, Food and Liquor Anniversary. Uh, 
CD, but it wasn't out at the time, and I couldn't, you know, I had to be, a, I didn't have a computer, so I had to be at somebody else's house with internet and computer to try to find that shit. So, but another random fun fact. What else is going on in sports codes? John Wall said about the last two to three years of his life, I thought about committing suicide, tearing my Achilles, my mom passing, my grandma passing a year later. So that's crazy. You know, shoot out to dog. I mean, shout out to dog. Uh, hopefully it gets better. Did you or say, it got better. Did or, you say you know, shoot out to dog? Dude, are you kidding me? No. You're so evil. I, I would know never. He said, I, you, he said, I, I am never. like popish. But yeah, it's crazy because uh, Tom Brady, he made, in his 22 seasons of playing, has made 10 Super Bowls. That means he has a higher chance of making a Super Bowl, 45%, than Steph Curry has at making a three at 43%. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so those random uh, facts are hilarious. <laughs> Dog. 45% of his career, he went to a Super Bowl. That's insane. That's like LeBron James, but LeBron the LeBron James has been in, in the finals like what, at least forty five percent of his career though too, right? Forty five years, yeah, forty five right? years. <laughs> forty five years. For every time he goes in the finals, the follicle falls off and closes up for him. <laughs> oh man! So now, if Kevin Durant could just explain to us why he LeBald has James. LeBron. <laughs> LeBald James, that's a good one. <laughs> LeBald James and the Infinity Follicles. <laughs> In the infinity. Actually, fun fact on that, as we're talking about this, I just wasn't even going to talk about this. Dwayne Wade on LeBron James said, I know guys who rolled their ankle be out four weeks. Then I saw LeBron rolled his, rolled it bad, and came back in the fourth to, to drop 20. When God made him, he gave him everything except for his hairline. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and apparently a, a good, sustainable team. Man. Shit, well, I mean, he, got, he gave me a few... A few times, and then he was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, he trade teams like Pokemon. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he's, only been, he's only been on what? Uh, four teams, right? Seven. Yeah, seven teams. Wait, yeah, seven teams. No, he's only been on three teams. He went to. Yeah, he's only been on three. <laughs> okay, wait. I, I was like, what the fuck? How many? You had me thinking, like, has this nigga been on five teams? What's wrong with him? <laughs> no, it's, it's not that he's been on five teams. It's that he's like trading people. 17 different yes. people. <laughs> Man. I remember when he, the, what was it? Uh, what's LeBron James, gotta catch him all. <laughs> Le, Speaking of which, the, uh, what was it? The Lakers, they picked someone up, a uh, dude from, oh, here we go, Patrick Beverly, which is causing a lot of funny controversy <laughs> because him and Westbrook got beef. <laughs> God, that meme. You're evil. That meme. That meme with the uh, the the Bloods and the Crips tied the bandanas together. <laughs> <laughs> that shit hilarious, dog. Why the fuck do they got Patrick Beverly? First of all, I'm gonna say this. He's wild. He is wild. He's actually he's uh, irritating. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't like some of his personality. Like um, as a player, it's just uh, it's cool to to see him be such a character and be so emotionally attached to what he says because he's like one of those people that could be lying but you be- but you just believe he believes what he <laughs> what he says when he says shit like like he could he, be lying but he's an antelope like when but. he called uh uh chris paul a cone like everybody was like what the fuck is he talking about he, like 
he says some things that like he really I feel like believes and it's yep. so outlandish. Yep. It's like it's like a Max Kellerman thing. It's like get out of here. That's no 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 no. Like he's not always wrong all the time, but dude. But he is. But he, but he is. No. He's not wrong all the time, but he is. He's not like wrong, but he's definitely like not like right. So um he they said six percent of the time it works every time. <laughs> when he um when he was on the Clippers and Paul what's his name? Um he got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They said he he jumped on he was at, at a diner or something and he jumped on the table and said I'm getting an NBA championship. Now, we know how that turned out for him, but it's just hilarious because he'll just convince himself. Well, he didn't even have to do the, do the work. It's like rappers saying, I'm the best. Right. It's, it's like, like, dude. It's like, you know how many other motherfuckers out there that could see you? Right. With You're 19. You live in Miami. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I like that that meme that says like young rappers nowadays look like the detention desk at school. Right. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of beef though, um, there's always been a little clash going on between Kyrie and uh dude uh who's the coach? Uh Steve Nash. Um supposedly oh, yeah. it started by Kyrie saying you need to give those MVP trophies back to Kobe because you didn't deserve them. <laughs> at his house, at a party at Steve Nash's house. Really? You got to fight me, bro. You got to fight me, bro. <laughs> and my wife. No. <laughs> right. We finna, we finna jump you, bro. <laughs> like, how Isn't that Rondo? I mean, I mean, it's... Kobe deserved a lot more MVP trophies than he got. But that's crazy. Did Steve Nash get two MVP trophies? I think he was back to back. Steven Nash. Could what? be wrong. That's crazy. That is crazy, boy. That is crazy. And I know in the years he got him. Kobe, so Kobe was just even though Kobe didn't have a great team during the mid two thousands, he was still Kobe Bryant. So like right. Even if they weren't making it to the finals. He was the most valuable player. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, in conclusion, give those back, <laughs> says Kyrie. <laughs> uh, Grant Williams said about Stephen Curry, he said, I wore <laughs> I wore 30 in high school because of you, and I'm not wearing a ring because of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, uh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is going to the... Cavaliers. So that's a big trade. Oh yeah, they was making like plenty fuss on the internet about this shit. Right. I can't remember why, but yeah, everybody's been talking about it. It's probably the biggest trade or one of the biggest. So, mm-hmm. so you thought um, you thought Jazz are just in full on rebuild mode, huh? Yeah, they just construction. <laughs> right. Where did Giannis is. Where did, where did Rudy Gobert go? Uh, Minnesota. Okay, okay. I got it. All right, gotcha, gotcha. Damn. Giannis is playing, I think, is it FIBA for the for Greek? Um, which, where is it? Uh, Croatia just slapped him. No, that was a good match, though. But after that, though, Giannis had... <laughs> this is just nuts. <laughs> 62 points, 20 rebounds, 12 assists, 10 blocks. That's already a quadruple-double. Three steals, 
zero turnovers, zero turnovers. He was 86%. And from the three-point line, he was 100%, seven for seven. From the free throw line, he was 15 for 16. Jesus. Jesus Christ. He was seven for seven from the three-point line? Yes, sir. Must be the wind. Is it? <laughs> Wait a minute. So I just want to I want to ask this question. Do we know if if Feebas, fucking Illinois bitch ass? No. Nah. Did we know if Feebas, um, if their three point line and 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 the American NBA's league's three point lines are the same distance? Because I just want to know is Giannis getting that good with his with his with his three point? Because it's gonna be some issues for niggas this year if that's if that's the case. I don't know if they're the same or not, but I'm sure. That little bit of difference isn't that huge to, compared to like a twenty foot field goal and then a three point. You know, right, that's yeah. more drastic. Wee, wee. All right, I'll take three more things and then we'll move on. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, the dude with the one hand, he is retiring from the NFL. Um, I think he played three years, um, but now he's going to be all like. Maybe like motivational speaker type of thing. Probably write a book. No, wait, 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 wait. How is he gonna write a book? He's right-handed. Right. Probably speak a book. Speak a book. Audio book. Like Stephen Hawking style. (laughs) Speaker book. (laughs) Speaker book. That was good. That was good. That was good. Um, Also, just like to let you guys know, Russell is going to be uh, going on a stand-up comedy tour because he's funny. Um, very soon, <laughs> very very soon. Um, well, he's he's been doing those squats. It'll be a stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down <laughs> comedy stand tour. Up, sit down comedy. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be called uh, "Clapping Cheeks, Working Obliques." The tour. It's gonna be. Looking ass. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Get your tickets now, and Ticketmaster. <laughs> Bring your yoga mask because we working. Right, bitch. Lightweight, that's a good transition to this one. Tom Hardy, um, he started, there was a movie he was in where he played an MMA fighter, and then he, because of that, got into, like, MMA fighting. He just won two gold medals in a, whatever, BJJ tournament is, blowjob job. Oh, um, yikes, I was going to say. <laughs> so, shout out to him, that's pretty cool. Shout out Venom. And the... Other thing is right here. The big news for the day. The Baltimore Ravens mascot is injured for the season. No, that's not the big news, but that is true. (laughs) After 27 years, Serena's career comes to a close. She had four Olympic gold medals, 23 Grand Slam single titles, 14 Grand Slam double titles, only tennis player to achieve the career golden slam in both singles and doubles. Joint longest run as number one ranked female, 73 career titles, six U.S. Open. Her accolades just go on and on. Actually, I had another one that kind of relates to that. Wait, can Um, I ask a question? Um, Yeah. When did she announce this? Because I saw her trending yesterday, but I didn't realize what was going on. She finished finished her last uh, game, um, and she gave an emotional speech afterwards. Wow. She lost that game, but she, I mean... Just like usual, makes it pretty far, you know? Right, right. Damn, damn. 15 um, year old professional tennis player Corey Golf has made history by becoming the youngest player to ever play in the Wimbledon. Okay. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So, so, uh, 
yeah, they're 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 really playing some difficult, tough games. <laughs> games. That's what I'm doing here. Games. Um, before you get there, though, speaking um, of games, you didn't um, sit down. This is Derek' time to sit down, not stand up. Okay. Games. You didn't, you didn't mention this um, or that. That. 2K23 oh, is Michael has a Dreamer oh. edition oh. with J. Cole on the cover. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Look at that. Our Lord and Savior, Jermaine <laughs> Lamar Cole. He's going to be on one of the covers of 2K23. Thank you, Barty. And one of the actual expensive covers. So you got the Devin Booker st- standard cover. You got some the digital um, the Michael Jordan edition, the Michael Jordan championship edition. They need uh, to have Michael Jordan sit down for a while now. <laughs> right. Uh, I was interested that they have a WNBA edition too, which is pretty cool. Um, I yeah, Brady Garner's on there. Yeah. It was just, uh, I think, one or two years ago that they actually started to have WNBA players on yeah. uh, there as well, which I think is cool. Yeah, they they um, had a mode too, didn't they, where you could like actually play as the characters and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah they have that. Yeah, now right. they have. Yeah, they inserted the full on WNBAs um, on there now. But it's been like that for a few years, I think, too. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's definitely. So I remember they're talking about a mode. I didn't know they they had like covers for them and editions for them. So well, it's just not fair because then you always pick LeBron's team and he's just injuring and elbowing these. Chicks and it's just no, I'm kidding. That. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I'm but sorry. Yeah, the Dreamer edition is pretty cool. That is, that is, and it's funny. Dream come true edition. Set <laughs> <laughs> your ass up. <laughs> okay. Um, Baby well, girl's awake. I'm gonna go get her. Talk about music. I'm just kidding. Well, that's funny that you say uh, J Cole is on the cover because you know what else J Cole does? He raps really well. And you know who else is in the in the it's high schoolers, right? <laughs> and goes to Canada and Africa to play basketball badly, which is crazy that he got the cover. Before we even his annual three game spree, right? Exactly, exactly where he averages like two points a game and shit, um, but plays the whole goddamn game. Um, he's the DJ too. He's got to take his time. <laughs> he's on the ha- he does the halftime show as well. Um, the crazy thing about that before we before we really transition to music, where we're gonna stay in the realm of music and basketball, is that Dave East said Dave East used to play basketball in AAU, I think, with um, or AUU, whatever that league is, with Kevin Durant, which is how Kevin Durant um, ended up calling him. Um, they used to be like you know teammates, whatever. And he ended up um, having him come come out to his house. Um, in the early 2010s, which helped his Dave East's music career that he was trying to get pop and take off. Um, but it's funny because Dave, Dave East obviously plays basketball really well, always has and still does to this day. And he said if J. Cole, when J. Cole tried out and went to Africa, and they were the rumors that he was going to be trying out in for the NBA, Dave East said if, if J. Cole gets accepted in one of the NBA teams, I'm going to wrap this rap shit up and I'm going to go shoot my shot because he really hoops. 
And like, if you look at, I feel it's no no shade at J Cole, but I'm pretty sure Davies is better. Oh, have at, you, uh, basketball man, you should see his highlights. Go go if you go to YouTube or go to Google right now. You Google Dave East highlights in basketball. That yeah. motherfucker's nice. That motherfucker is nice as hell. Like he's, he, he played, we play with Kevin like Durant. if they take all the rappers that actually try to ball and stuff like that. Like he's probably. He's top five. Or one of the best. Yeah, he's probably, probably top three. He probably a lot of these other niggas just be hooping. They say, but they say Dirk can really hoop though. Um, in fact, uh, Kevin Wait, Durant. Dirk? Yeah, Lil Dirk. Kevin Durant. I think it was Kevin I'm Durant. Like, yeah, Dirk Nowitzki can do it really. Right. Good. <laughs> 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 no, they Wait, say Lil Dirk is actually Lil. Like, like no, yeah, isn't he like? I don't know. I don't how know. How old is Kevin Hurt? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what his height is. Um. I think he might be like around like the five seven range, but yeah, they Kevin Durant said he said of all the basketball players or all the rappers that rap, <laughs> I don't think he was including Davies because we all know Davies. He said well, all the rappers that rap, um, Lil Dirk, Dirk, Dirk can really ball. Yeah, he said yeah he said that he said Dirk can really ball. LeBron can really ball, man. <laughs> you and Petty, LeBron can. <laughs> LeBron did looking ass. Um. But yeah, so Davies Davies always said that he's gonna try for a basketball team, and I and I highly encourage anybody that likes basketball highlights go check out Davies. Cause that that nigga can he he was on uh, the Breakfast Club, and he was like, "Listen, when basketball stopped working, I said I gotta rap because I'm like six four, six five. I'm a tall ass nigga. I can't be working at McDonald's. Like, how can I help?" He was a funny ass Clipper <laughs> just talking about how he was too tall. He had to figure out some shit because the basketball was the only thing that made sense with his height and shit. So um, shout out Davies, but. And to go to the next uh, segment, these rappers, these basketball players are also rappers. And another rapper that's also tall, also play basketball, the game. In the game. In <laughs> EA Sports is in the game, looking ass. EA Sports. Jason Taylor. Um, so a brief, quick, not quick at all, lesson in California rap. So, West Coast, the West Coast is the birthplace of and has been the home to many hip-hop legends, young and old, past and present. The longtime counterpart to the boom-bap sound of the East Coast, the West Coast hip-hop scene took the world by storm when artists like Ice-T and N.W.A. introduced gangster rap to the masses. That shifted the culture and had so many people talking that Easy E ended up being invited to the White House by Ronald Reagan. Eventually, <laughs> I did not know that. You did not. Yes, he went to. The, yes, Easy E was. Uh, game Game actually has a, off his first album a song called Dreams where he says, um, "Easy Compton had uh, Jerry Curl dripping on Ronald Reagan shoes because uh, <laughs> yeah no because Easy actually got invited to the White House by Ronald Reagan because he just wanted to talk about you know the gangster rap shit." Exactly, <laughs> and, and shit was dripping. Um, eventually, though, NWA producer Dr. Dre branched out with the help of Suge Knight to create Death Row Records and helped create stars like Snoop Doggy Dog, The Dog Pound, Lady of Rage, and more. At the height of its popularity, the West Coast had more bona fide superstars and were selling more records than anyone. A fun fact... Dr. Dre's stepbrother, Warren G's album, Regulate, a G-Funk era, saved, saved Def Jam from bankruptcy when it sold 3 million records. 
eventually, a few years later, they would need another saving when the angel DMX came in and saved them again. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know what the fuck was going on in Def Jam. Anyways, <clears throat> they were on top of the world, and then something happened. In the midst of this triumphant reign, an East Coast, West Coast beef, one of the biggest faces, Tupac Shakur, gets shot and killed. And things get eerily quiet on the West Coast for a while. This is all critical. I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. Things get quiet for a while. Outside of Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and Snoop. And please understand that Dr. Dre and Snoop even were quiet for a few years after 96. No one was really releasing music. Shout out to Exhibit because he did start back in the early 2000s. He was one of the only few long-ass funeral. <laughs> he was uh, a <laughs> um, one of the active guys that was making dope shit. Again, he was under Dr. Dre's umbrella though, and it yeah. stayed that way for the most part. Really, ser- seriously, for the most part, until, until my ride, and then we lost <laughs> our credibility. <laughs> until two, th- which was around this time, until two thousand five. After years of sitting on the shelf in the background of Aftermath and being given a facelift, as he called it, on Lloyd Banks' The Chips Are Down record in 2004, off Hunger for More, by being accepted into G-Unit by 50 Cent, Compton, California native and blood gang member J.C. On Taylor, a.k.a. The Game, descended upon rap. Okay? His debut album, the documentary, is considered a classic by many. Ascended? Descended came down. I was saying came down. Um, but right, yeah, I'm saying no, I just don't think that's <laughs> right. It'd be ascended. Oh, well, oh DMX shit. descended from rap. Right. Oh, shit. Well, then, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Um, damn. All right. Thank you. Ascended upon rap. <clears throat> Debut album, the documentary, is considered a classic by many. Sold four million. Four million copies world actually five million copies worldwide and it's credited with giving life back to the coast so when you look at everyone currently repping for the west coast from yg to kendrick lamar they were all influenced by and helped by the game and most of them have said this out loud especially k-dot even after being kicked out of g-unit and removed from aftermath because of his beef with 50 cent game stood tall and remained a force on the coast Dropping multiple. Oh, like tall. What? He's like five eight. What? Game? <laughs> Game's like six <laughs> four. <laughs> He's like five eight. Damn. Um, shout out Kendrick Lamar though, five five. Um, but he stood tall, remained a force on the coast, dropping multiple albums like his sophomore and my favorite game album. Well, second favorite, the Doc- Doctor's Advocate, and one of my personal favorites, which I just realized is my favorite album based on theme and album structure, Jesus Peace. Selling 40 million records to date, he has done something that up until that point, only Snoop had had done, which was carry that cold coast on his shoulder. Even when people like Ice Cube and um, Tupac were, you know, big on the West Coast, there were other artists doing West Coast shit. So they weren't the only West Coast artists. They might have been the biggest at times, but they weren't, weren't the only ones. Um, after Pac Def, the only real essential West Coast artist that was, you know, still doing the numbers and shit was Snoop. 
So game came in and really made a uh, an avenue for rappers to be able to do that shit again from the West Coast. So I say that before we start this only because game doesn't get his flowers for what he's done and how he's um, basically how he is helped to move West Coast rap into the 2000s and currently kind of usher in, you know, we don't get a Kendrick Lamar or a J-Rock or we don't really get a lot of TDE shit without that influence of the game. And they've, multiple people from TDE have said this. Um, you know, we don't get a YG who's also a Compton blood <laughs> without game paving the way because people have stopped putting money in on West Coast artists. So we thank him for that. But Game has proven time and time again that he is a force to be reckoned with. And now, he does it again with his 11th studio album, Dramatic Heart Rush Mind. This 29, originally 30, <laughs> track body of work. It's extremely long, pause. But does length equal quality here? Okay, pull back for a second. Fellas, who taught me what ascend and descend means. Uh, what do you guys think about this album? Whoever wants to start, I just want to quick thoughts on what's going on here. Cody? Um, well, I think a good preface would be for the whole thing is that it's called Dramatic Heart vs. Mind, which we get the feel of like uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, how that was cut in two. Yep. There's like a part one, part two for certain reasons. And it was very distinct. That was <clears throat> game. Listen, that was very distinct. <laughs> distinct. You could tell what was one, what was the other. They were even numbered differently. You could hear difference. Difference. Drill for instance. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, this uh, <laughs> there was a story about how there's like part, you know, half his heart, half his mind, blah blah blah. It really like was all jumbled all together. Like he just spilled it all on the floor and just threw it into a bowl and like here you go i wish if it was organized a little better so you could hear the difference because there are some songs that are like heart and some other songs that are more mind and blah 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 but overall uh it's really good it's really long pause um it could have been like part a part b <laughs> probably part c <laughs> <laughs> side to see. Right, but um yeah there's a there's a whole variety too going on um which is nice um it's just I, I think not one of those albums that you can pick up unless you're either like i got a road trip i'm gonna do you know or maybe cleaning for a long time okay or you're like i'm just gonna listen to the specific song and that's it or like these few three or something like that a little chunk you know yes sir Yes, sir. Uh, I, I but I'll probably it. give it a eight, give or take. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Olivia was surprised. Right. She was like, what? <laughs> okay. Okay. I fuck with that. I fuck with that. Okay. Russ, the barman. What'd you think? All right. Uh, so this CD. Um, it's funny that um, 
you went into the whole TDE thing because it, it definitely has that vibe as far as like how Kendrick's albums can be. Um, at least he doesn't do multiple double songs. That shit is annoying. Um, I, I really, I really hate that. You talking about when the song like changes like mid song? Yeah, just. I mean, but it's like two different songs. Not like it's like yeah. the same song transition oh. to a different song. Oh like, my! Oh my God! Two fucking different songs. Like, put it on two different. Um, Go ahead. I'm gonna let you. Go ahead. <clears throat> but uh, so one of my favorite tracks is "Outside." Um, it's very smooth to me. Real nostalgic. Um, yes. Made me think of like old mixtapes, and you know, even even like the track quality for a lot of these um, songs is really remi- really reminds me of like. Kendrick or Cole albums as far as like the track quality. Um, no Man Falls, I probably listened to like six times. I really liked that one. Um, La La Land felt real old school, especially with like the Master P sounding track in the background. Yeah. Uh, was it how, how, how You Do That There? I think it was the, the song it was similar, similar to. It, it, that was the, um, see, I thought that was the, uh, that was uh, Boom, Oh Yeah. Throw your neighborhood in the air. Don't, don't, if you don't care. That, it's also on, uh, that ice cube joint. That's what I thought he got it from. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like that Master P, how you do that there. That's maybe what they, I thought it was. Maybe they sampled the same, maybe those two songs sampled the same shit. So I, it, it probably was. It probably was because, you know, they, you, niggas will chop up a sample 16 times and flip it in, in a certain way. So I don't, I don't right. think you wrong at all. Um, man. Um, all in all, this CD felt like really old school to me, like like a cat from the '90s modernizing his sound to try and reach young cats while not veering too far away from like his personal sound. Oh wow! Um, My flag is really catchy. Um, I usually dig a lot of games material, so this one is a is another decent album to me. Um, it's a really smooth uh, listen for the most part. And of course, you got some of the tra- tracks that you know, get you hyped and stuff like that, but. I was surprised because I thought he lost his mind coming for him, but I'm digging it. I, I maybe give it a like uh, 8.9, 9, something like that. Yeah, you said 8.9? Okay, damn, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll fuck with that. Well, we to, today in this music segment, I'm going to break some shit down. Um, I'm going to try not to bore y'all with shit too long, but also I'm going to come back to some particular shit that I want y'all to answer. So, um so, with this album, as usual, I'm going to break down my three favorite things. The first thing, and I needed to say this on record because I, I don't say this, I uh, haven't said this enough, I feel like here. I've said this in the group chat. I've said this when, in texting people years in passing, but I want to say this on record so we have it so that people can reference this. One of my favorite things about this album is Game as a Rapper and how his name has always fit his persona. Okay. Game has the ability to mimic or transform into anyone in the rap game. I, it, it's fucking, it's like a talent that's so insanely good. Like, in, in, on one hand, you want to be like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he sounding like that? But on the other hand, it's like, damn, this is kind of skillful because it just embodies rap. It embodies, like, being fans and, and a student of this shit and studying how motherfuckers will spit something and then just... Being able to like say I'm such a fan of you, I'm so into what we do as artists. You don't like that? Damn, I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so game has the ability to. Well, I'm a copycat ninja. Right. 
mimic. I call him. I call him. Um, he's reminds me of that Pokemon. What's his name? Ditto. The pink. The pink mm-hmm. joint. Every time I think of the game, I think of that. Um, because he <laughs> pink exactly, Pikachu. <laughs> exactly. Um, you can tell he's a student of the, of the great. All the great MCs have come before him, and even his peers and current rappers. You see, game do this. Uh, ditto shapeshift talent on this album over multiple songs. Uh, an example being Burning Checks with Fabio featuring Fabio Form. This this song is a direct play on the Brooklyn drill music sound um, from the beat and the way he and Fabio, who's also a Brooklyn drill, like the main Brooklyn drill artist himself, uh, flows. Um, Game recreates Fabio's flow and cadence to a T, but not at all in a way that sounds like corny or like he's still in the style. More so in a way that allows him to blend his style with his collaborators. He does this on other albums. Like, one of my favorite joints he does this on, man. Oh, God. He got a song called Speakers on Blast off of his fourth album, the Red Album. Um, that is just insane. Because he's he's rapping with Big Boy and, and E-40. And he, on his, he actually has two verses. And on his verses, he... If you know anything about Big Boy's cadence, you know he raps like a, like a, it's like a bouncy, I always call it like a, like a bouncy uh, student type of, it's like a schoolboy, not schoolboy cute, but like a schoolboy style. It's like an articulate e Yes, yes, there you fucking go. Thank you, Cody. You are coming through today with the words. It's an articulate bounce where, and it's the M-I cricket letter, and no one better. And when I'm on the microphone, you best of what guess what, because I'm cooler than the polar bear's toenails. Oh, hell. That is what Game recreates in his song with Big Boy. And you have to be a Big Boy fan in order to do this, I feel like. And so Game, who said he studied different artists, goes on the track and he's like, uh, I forgot what the line is, but he's like, and then your boy's been a number in the wind. Like the way he's bouncing across is very direct, articulate with a bounce. It's so Big Boy that I'm like, damn. At first I was like, what the fuck is he doing? But I just realized how much he can embody somebody. Then he does it again on the track. He has a track with... Um, DJ Quick um, I forgot the name of the track off of his album um, the documentary 2.5 that whole album um, he has a track with DJ Quick and boy let me tell you that motherfucking track that he has yes it's fire the way but but if you know DJ Quick you know how DJ Quick raps it's like 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 he has this like kind of funky funky flip style that he does and Game takes that and raises the pitch of his voice. And he does this shit without even trying. It's not like it sounds like he's trying to make fun of you. Like, he's really like, I'm a fan. And guess what? I can do what you do. And when you come on the track with me, I'm going to try to be as good as you. It's so tight to me. Like that's, right, right. <laughs> Well, you know. Um, I just, it's so raw the way he does that shit. I always thought that that was cool as fuck. You know, and it's something that balances out the fact that he says everybody's fucking name like 30 fucking million times. Man, he says Frank Ocean's name four times on his one album. Drake's name like five times, one album. Kendrick's name like four times, it's one album. Bro, bro, listen, we get it. We get it. We get it. We get it. You love, we get it. Stop saying everybody. Hey, man, goddamn. Whew, that's nothing neither here nor there. But, um, he does this again, though, on this album. With money, cash, clothes, with ASAP Rocky, he takes Rocky's Harlem lace bounce and plays that into the, into like the way he dances across Jay Z and Dude, Dan. yep. Go I ahead. was doing dishes when listening to this, and yeah. that song came on. I was freaking out. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's definitely. I just like that they were using that beat, uh, that old Jay-Z and DMX on, and then just how they did it. And I'm like, yep. It, it's not like they couldn't have done it better, but they it wasn't a letdown. Like, you guys ruined this, you know? It was, it was yeah. like... They put their spin on it. They put their spin on it. Yeah. yeah. I, I really um, felt like that for this whole CD. Like, none of the... Uh, even when they did, like, the Thug Sharks Bone uh, in the background, I'm like, this somehow fucking fits. Like, I wasn't upset that they took this song that's a classic and like they ruined it they really like enhanced all those the tracks that they used it was like really impressive it's like they did their own thing to it too yeah. you know yeah 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 and that's and like it. let me try to remake it and that's right. what game said this was supposed to come out in july it didn't come out until it was actually supposed to come out earlier this year then it got pushed to july then it didn't come out in july it didn't come out until august um 12th i believe and he said so, the, the game's a lie right, right. <laughs> so oh he's a t- game's a top quality liar we could get into that that's a whole nother episode uh to be honest he's a he's a great rapper but that nigga be lying his ass off um he said bro yeah i didn't think it was the real black slim shade <laughs> <laughs> this man this man said that he should only helped him he on that on that uh 300 bars or whatever shit that he just gene it on he said that 50 cent only helped him on two songs now back to some killer shit 50 Cent is credited as writing six songs. There are even, um, uh, what do you call those tracks? Um, guidance tracks or, or, you know, demo tracks or whatever the fuck. I forgot the name of the track. It's early. Um, but 50 Cent is on those tracks recording and then game is take basically ripping that flow and that bounce and that chorus and all of that shit. So he said he helped them on two songs and he helped them on six. So he's a blatant liar. Anyways, though. Um... He does it again. He does this again when he taps into his inner killer cam on killers with Cameron. You do, you do. Even when he makes the, he has his bar where he's like, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton haired ass nigga. That's a Cameron. That is a Cameron thing to do. Cameron would say some goofy ass ribbon shit in a song. That is Cameron. From the way he flows it to the way he does it, he just embodies Cameron in that in that uh, record. And I laugh every time he says that Lewis, Lewis Hamilton haired ass nigga. Like, it's just funny, man. Um, but he does this throughout the album, and that's just one of my favorite things. And so it helps to create um, a big experience that is the game. Like you can't get this anywhere else. And I love that he does this on this album, and you know, stick like stays true to like how he does his shit, man. Bars, yeah, we finna get into some bars real quick for y'all. Um, game is easily to me top ten West Coast, <laughs> like top ten West Side masters of ceremonies, man. MCs, he and he does prove this. Time and time again and yet again with the amount of bars and flows that he spits on this album. Just some examples. We don't do we just gonna run through some examples real quick for y'all. Uh, That's the one I texted you last night. <laughs> oh, we go we, we gonna get through it all. We're gonna get through it all. Um in fact, let me I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull I got a bunch of them, but I'm gonna make sure I pull up the one that Cody texted me too, so we can talk about that. Um but <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm gonna say that for the last one. That's hilarious. Um, so one record, "Talk to Me Nice," one of my favorite joints on here, uh, where they sample that uh, that. Thugs in the club throwing up, shaking that cash in the club cutting up. That sando, the sample clearance on this motherfucker going crazy. That's why another reason he put he, he said he had so much shit on here, man. He got to get it clear, man. And I'm glad that he waited because that's that motherfucking sample go crazy. But um, on there, one second, the court starts to spaz. 
Perfect. Okay, cut that out, Cody. <clears throat> on there, on that Talk To Me Nice, he says, yeah, um, stop, Cody. <laughs> they're killing rap niggas. I'm losing competitors. I pull up in a, in a red rose. Stop giving flowers to niggas I'm better than. Me versus everybody, nigga. It is what it is. <clears throat> and you know I'm going, and you know I'm gang related. Let us in. Tonight I came with my relatives. Like, like, it's so simple. It's so simple, but he's going off. If you like the flow, he, the way he pausing in the flow, killing these niggas. I'm losing competitors. Pull up in the river, grab a flower. The way he's bouncing on that, and then when he does with the gang, he said, and you know I'm gang related. Let us in. Cause tonight I came with my relatives. Like, bro, that's such a slick ass line, bro. And this ain't even a, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the, the bars that this nigga is getting off on this whole like record, bro. Um, he got another one. A slick ass punchline on stupid with him him featuring Big Sean, one of my favorite tracks again. He says, Richard Millie, wrist on silly, Millie. Million dollars worth of game like Wallow Gilly. I know Meek. I know Beans. I sold pretty crack. I'm on the freeway. I know Philly. First of all, cold. Second of all, Wallow Gilly, Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast, but <clears throat> they're also from Philly. Dog, then the way he broke down the state property, you know, people like, <laughs> and talked about selling crack on the freeway. It, simple, but he just cold. He cold with bars, bro. And we just, it, it just keeps building, keeps getting up, man. Even in the emotional songs, one of my favorite tracks, bro. This is I turn this CD on and go straight to this track, and this is like track number like twenty five or some shit like that. Um, Twisted. He be like, shoot, shoot shadows over the roaches. We'll crush you niggas. Step over niggas like AI do. You be looking up at cornrows like Tyron Lue. <laughs> we send bitches to your section to spy on you. Ring camera on the tech. I got my eye on you. We don't switch sets, never have, never will. Certified gangster, niggas, bandanas is dip set. Killer Cam, Killer Cali, nigga, Lil Uzi's, Big Sweats, Triads, Essays, Blood Crip, and them Crip sets. Like, bro, that Tyron Lou line is so, it's a fucking hilarious, but fucking tight. And then you gotta know the aggression in which game raps. Like, the way he pours that aggression on, on you, bro, it's insane, bro. Like, it's just, in his voice, this shit be coming off so... It's so heavy and it's so dope because I don't think anybody can do it the way game does it, bro. Again, at the start of Money Cash Clothes, this man said, Sup, Andre. Far as the rest of you niggas, slide on you, mask on. Nigga, I'm yay. Yeah, style on you, bitches. Flying birds over OVO. Flying birds before OVO put the eye on the stitches. I've been in the mix. Deleon with the F and N on. It's hit or miss. They saying rest in peace because I let it rip. I used to rock ASAP when I flipped the wrist. Now this nigga ASAP Rocky hopping in the whip. Like, dog, this nigga's just, is just so, and again, with game's aggression and the way he pushes that shit out, like, like <laughs> he is such a, a rapper that you have to, like, listen to, vibe to, kind of get any experience of. And so I just appreciate how, it's not many rappers when they talk shit that I'm like, damn, this nigga, he means that. Sometimes when I hear game, I'm like, damn, this nigga might really be, it's just the the way the delivery and shit is all, it's cold, bro. And then the last... You know how ASAP Rocky is a little questionable sometimes? <laughs> he said, he ended his verse saying, it's not a purse, it's a merce. I said, bitch, do you know what a merce means? <laughs> Man purse, it's a purse. <laughs> but carry on then, I don't know how you carry on. Right. <laughs> we're the same makeup. He, we bought a lot of Fenty, so it was like a... She had to type shit. Um, the game also said... She's with her for the discount. Right, exactly. Oh, 
the last out last track um universal love which is so it's just such an interesting track because it's like bro you got all this gangster shit you just in this this album with universal love and like chloe bailey it's like bro if you and if you listen to the lines it's so hilarious like it's not he's trying to do something positive and not gonna appreciate that but it's kind of it's just funny that it ends the album but in there he says if gay is happy then i'm isaiah rashad what the fuck game like <laughs> what the fuck why would you say why would you be like that bro why would you say that he is he's an interesting character man he's interesting but i could do this shit all day but you get the point he the, the kid writes man the kid writes and i love i love that line in um the beginning of a uh, money cash club and he says they saying they saying rest in peace because i let it rip i'm like <laughs> it's so that's dope bro. um but the third thing that I really like about this album, and this is a third important thing, because we're going to break this down. The Black Slim Shady. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier this year, while on an episode of Nori, Nori and DJ FN's Drink Champs podcast, Game, they asked him a question about Eminem, and Game said that he was better than Eminem. And that's, and mm-hmm. let me, let me tell y'all something. He used, he used to say, I used to be scared of him. I used to think, you know, he was untouchable type shit. Yep, exactly, exactly. You supposed to be if you a rapper, man. Man, when I listen, when I was rapping, I thought I was better than every nigga in the city. Like I was like, I convinced myself of that, and the more I did that, the better shit my bars got. Like you supposed to feel like you that nigga. So I was never mad at game for saying that, and people get so heated, and and it, this just made me realize some people get so heated when the motherfucker say that. Eminem, that they better than Eminem. And I don't know why. Patrick Beverly type shit. Right. <laughs> I don't know why people are not allowed to say that. Niggas will put Nas and Jay-Z against each other all day and argue who's better than that. But there's a set of niggas and I don't even know if they niggas really, but it's a set of people that <laughs> will get mad if somebody challenges Eminem. And as an Eminem fan, I ain't gonna front, man. Outside of the Benzino Ja Rule shit, like he, he did beef, he did, he did, he did beef with people. But a lot of his shit was just random jabs at pop stars. He didn't, he now nah, he never backed down to nobody. Cannabis said his name. He said Cannabis don't want no beef with Slim. No, told him ASAP. He went at uh, I was in the Jermaine Cole. Jermaine, he, he brought a he brought a whole. Uh, cannabis, oh about. cannabis, we're for <laughs> Are you from Los Angeles, Angeles. <laughs> or just the cannabis? Hey. Cannabis. Hey. <laughs> oh man, um, and if y'all know anything about him, uh, when he uh, the, the last track on D12's amazing album Devil's Night is called Girls. Um, yeah. he he got off pause. Yeah. He got got off in Fred Durst, DJ Lethal, uh, Everlast. He got off in all their ads. The um, whole Olympus. Man, the whole Olympus. <laughs> Lim- motherfucker Olympus. So I'm telling yeah. you right, that's one of my favorite Eminem tracks, low key. Um, DJ, and when Obi. I fucking see you, dog, I'm swinging on you. <laughs> um, Obi, you drive by Obi. <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, so. That, uh. So, anyways. <laughs> off subject. Game goes on the episode. He says he's better than Eminem. This leads to multiple interviews and media appearances where he is asked 
to elaborate on this. In which he begins to take a stance where he stood on this. And as a result, leading up to the release of this album, the game told everybody that while he respects M and his ability, he thinks he's better now. And he would be dropping a just aimed at Eminem because of that. People made it seem like he just came. I mean, unless, unless I'm wrong, anybody can who listens to this podcast can come on and correct me. You know, it's not decent. It's us saying you can correct me. You can tell me. Game said on, because uh, I'm pretty sure I watched it. I'm pretty sure that they asked him about something about Eminem, and he said, I'm better than him now. I'm better than him, Tenori. And motherfuckers asked him about it, and after, like, the second interview, he's like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diss him. I'm going to diss him, because y'all, y'all got me fucked up. So if I'm wrong. Yeah, because the whole thing was, he was like, you know, I used to think, you know, him was better than me. Um, and they was like, what you're saying? <laughs> He's like, I'm better. I'm better now. Right. Uh, and then he was like, you don't want, you don't want beef with the, uh, with him. And he was like, why don't I? Matter of fact, <laughs> that's when he like started getting all puffed up and shit like right. that. <laughs> um, which is why I said like I thought he lost his mind. Um, M doesn't necessarily have a track record for, uh, like you said, beefing with people, but he never backs down for the beef. Beef like. He, he sees if they're worthy enough for him to respond, because, like, the whole Nick Cannon shit was never going to fly. <laughs> and was like, who the fuck is dog? Are you serious? But MGK, he killed. <laughs> Man, I don't, I feel like, ooh, I feel like MGK, look, he got up in his ass a rap. Devil, I ain't going to front my shit. I feel like MGK, look, he's, he, him and MGK, I MGK like, would love to get in other guys' ass. I, it, yeah. That's true. He's Isaiah Rashad. Nah, I feel like they got to a standstill. I don't feel like you. G- I think MGK stopped because he was like, "Okay, I think that's enough." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, that's all I had was everybody else's lines, and I used them all." Man, I fuck, man. I don't know. I fuck rap, rap devil. Him murdered that nigga, dog. Man, y'all, I don't know. No, man, I fuck rap devil. To me, is, rap devil to me is harder than kill shot. To me, it's kill, kill shot. You gotta well, go. It's okay to be t- wrong twice in one episode. I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> You gotta go re-listen to Kill Shot G. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm I'm go back. Well, let me tell you, Rap Devil was on my phone. It's been on my phone since 2018, 2019. So, yeah, yeah. it's 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 definitely one of my shit. But <laughs> she said, "No, shut that shit up." But yeah. so he said he's gonna be dropping this track. While there has been a lot of debates about how good or how bad this track is, I have some key mm-hmm. things I want to say about it. One, turning into Eminem on his ditto shit. He does this so many times on the record. In fact, I would say he embodies Eminem, especially the Slim Shady persona in the bars and slight cadence, (laughs) which is also hilarious because he says in the track um, that Eminem never understood Ebonics or cadence. Hilarious line. Hilarious line. Almost as funny as him saying that he had a do-rag on for 10 years and not one wave. Hilarious. Hilarious. But... Um, he embodies M pretty much the entire track. In addition to that, Game spends the time recreating M's, Eminem's best moments and bars on record to diss him. Let's get into it. <laughs> Examples. When he raps, hi, I'm the Black from Shady. Serious is just the obvious play on the My Name Is record. Or when he says, I killed Dr. Dre in my basement last night. I was wasted last night. I went ape shit last night. Chopped his body up and forgot where I placed it last night. Had a slice of humble pie. I couldn't taste it last night. <sighs> he said, 
I love that shit, bro. Just the way that sounds so Eminem. Just the way he get, gives it to us, how he wrote it, it's super M, bro. Goes on to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> lost my taste buds, lost my taste in my smell. I got my, I got a Marion. <laughs> Fucking, it's a play on the That's but so don't stupid. Know. It was a play on the Marcron. Fucking shit. I'm a crime. Yeah. I lost my taste in my. But the re it's funny because guess what? Eminem does this, bro. Eminem would yeah. do some shit like, bro. Listen, he said I lost my taste in my smile. I got a Marion. Me and Dr. Fauci went to Crazy Girls, and then we got our party on. And again, if you listening to the record, the way he says this shit, man, it's a direct play on the real some shady. The uh, Dr. Nothing in the basement last night. I went to shit last night when Dr. Dre said, nothing, idiot. Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement. Like, it's a direct play on the real Slim Shady. Amazing. He keeps going when he does the lines. So, oh, I'm on the, so, oh, he goes platinum. And, oh, I'm on the math with him. He got all the, the blackest friends. He wants to be African. Me, left for dead on the doctor's advocate. Dre never produced it. I, Dre never executive produced it. I just imagined it. Direct play on Lose Yourself when he goes, um, I forgot the lines. Oh, you're going to get it. Oh, you're going to I can't remember the, <laughs> I hate Lose Yourself. I can't remember the lines he says right there, but. Snap back to reality. Oh, the gold gravity. Oh, the gold. Like, literally, literally taking Eminem's best hits and flipping them. And he does it. He, and he's doing it in only a way that game can. With that ditto fucking shape shift shit that he does out of homage because he put because he's like studied him he's been he's on record for many years when in 2010 when uh recovery came out he called recovery an instant classic and said he never wanted to be for him him on his on the track uh we ain't um with eminem off the documentary he's after m's verse he comes back on this on the third verse and says hey get Dre on the phone quick tell him m just killed me on my own shit like he knows he's always had an uh, 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 admiration for M. So the only way you can pull this off is to respect M lyrically, but know that like at this point, the students become the teacher, and he does it well. I don't care what nobody says, bro. If y'all, I feel like if niggas, then I disagree. Then I disagree because this, the, what this sound like to me is the notice me senpai type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, look, look at me. I'm do, I'm doing well now. Type of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you you think so? Yeah, that's how I feel. Like this whole publicity shit, and I'm better now. It's kind of, uh, kind of like when the student is, uh, is a uh, what do they call it, um, posturing towards the teacher. Like, okay. you know, you've taught me everything that I think you know, um, so I'm gonna show you that I'm better. And it's not necessarily that the teacher has passed on the mantle. Yeah. Uh, it's that the student thinks he's better than the teacher. So it's kind of on some. That's how I feel. Sorry, so kind of on some um, Mordo shit from the comic books, not the actual Mordo that we see in the Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. um, okay, okay, and, and that's a and that's a fair statement. I just I'm so I, I'm a, I'm gonna wrap up the, these pieces and I'm gonna say and I'm gonna say something about the disc record that I like um, or why I think it's a good disc record. Um, so again, on lines like he's he's bringing up lines. In reference to Eminem's songs, so even if he's not doing the cadence or whatever, or he's not doing the bounce, he's referencing shit from Eminem's career. So he says a line yeah. like, D'Angelo Bailey got in shape to your ass again, referencing lines from Brain Damage. Not to mention, he's doing all of this. <laughs> this is the kicker. He's doing all this while being driven to Eminem's house 
by an Uber driver that just happens to be, drum roll please, Matthew, the living younger brother of Stan from the songs. It's brilliant. It's fucking There's brilliant. a lot of underlying stuff that if you don't really know Eminem's history that well, like when he sure. says Little Debbie, and I had to explain yep. to Siri that that uh, M's mom's name is Debbie, yeah. and he said that his dad ate little Debbie cakes when she was fifteen and stuff. So like, oh, dude! Yep. And I didn't even. I didn't. And then talking about his stepbrother. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that his dad was twenty-two. It, but that's some shit that's cool because it's like that's real beef. Where not real beef, but like real tactical behavior on the part of the game because that right. sounds like some shit where when they were on the but, label together, he might have got that story out of him, and now he can repeat because. I don't think Emma's ever, unless... He probably... Go ahead. He probably had to hook up with, uh, who's that Canadian uh, interview guy? <laughs> do 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 to <laughs> get all this information, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nar- <laughs> Shout out Nardwar, by the way. Um, uh, random, random. There's a little, there's a black girl that does that same shit now. And I think it's super dope because Narwar has, like, influenced her. And I think that she is uh, pretty good at what she does. So, shout out Narwar. Shout out, I think her name is Jazzy or something like that. Jasmine. Um, but yeah, it's the same one I'm thinking of. Uh, if you're talking about same doing the same shit, uh, interviewing people, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he has his own like way to do it. I don't think she's doing it like him. No, know, no, 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 no. She no, she got his own style. But she, if it's yeah. the same girl I'm thinking of, she she's a uh, does a really good job, especially for how young she is. Yeah, yeah, I think really it, impersonable and outgoing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we're talking about the same girl, same girl, <laughs> same girl. Pause. Hold on, wait a minute, because she's a child. Anyways, um, but I loved how he did that shit where he dug deep into some shit that he, he brought out shit. It was kind of like when, um, it was kind of like for me when Pusher T brought up the fucking, um, thing with Drake's son. We didn't know Drake had a son. And when he said it, it was like, oh my God, Drake has a son. What? What? And it was like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and so when Game said that, I didn't know nothing about his, his mom being on the age and, you know, and then he wrapped it up, wrapped it up with it. She had to give up her dreams to see her son out here looking like a wigger in jeans. Hilarious, bro. Hilarious. <laughs> um, and then even this, even this, man, the beat selection. This Hit Boy production, both parts of it. Both parts as it does switch. It's the only time I like, I hate when they switch. So I've been saying this for years. I hate when rappers have a song and then they just put a slash and then they have another name. And it's like a, two different songs. It should be track 13 and 14, but it's really just track 13 and the beat just changes in the middle. I hate that shit. So... Um, album 13 and 14 examples will be prescription and oxymoron um by schoolboy q and just shit drake did with like cameras and doing it or some shit like it's just uh, stop doing that shit ti did that shit too a couple times stop doing that shit um anyways this beat selection the hit boy production both parts as it does switch is bouncy it's dark it's sinister man and it seems like a beat that would be better suited for eminem the kicker though I don't think Eminem has enough flavor or bounce in his in his repertoire right now to pick this type of beat today if it was presented to him. I feel That's like when you guys were saying that Game says that he's better now. I don't think I didn't take that as Game got better, which that could be. But I feel like the other variable is M fell off. You know? I, I think it's M used to be better. Oh, I think it's both. I think it's both because Game. I wouldn't have called Game. Top ten West Coast artists off that first album. Even off his sec, even off his second album, which is one of my favorite game albums, Doctor's Advocate. It just has some of my favorite game records on it. Some of the best songs, but it wasn't lyrically just super fucking you know through the roof. It wasn't until he got to album number five 
Jesus piece. Where I was like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> Super fucking. Right. <laughs> um, it wasn't until he got to Jesus piece, which is my, to me, that's Gang's best album. That's a 10 out of 10. Um, just based on theme and record choice and how he stayed on theme with the Jesus, with the going to church and needing Christ in his life and Kevin Hart being like the um, narrator or the common third character. It's, it's a really good album if you guys haven't heard it. But Game definitely got better. Game, game definitely got better. He was always a talent, but he became, to me, Game is easily, we talking about West Coast MCs, easily top 10. You might be even able to put him at top five, depending on how you feel about certain things. So, um, But I just don't think, I think like all of that, even including the beat, that's another thing that makes this funny because it's like he's being a better Eminem, which I know uh, Russell disagrees, but it feels like he's a better Eminem currently than Eminem. <laughs> Like, I felt like this is Eminem. This is what I want to hear from Eminem, but I don't get this type of, it's not enough bouncing Eminem. Like, Eminem sounded like this doing Marshall Mathers and Slim Shady and Dre 2001 and Devil's Night. He wasn't sound, he didn't sound like this. He don't sound like this now. Um, it was like, he could, on here, he could be quiet with his voice. He's doing certain shit where it's just like, I still feel like M does mostly, except for music to be murdered by. I feel like M does too much ag aggression and not enough affliction anymore, so... But, um, so, I think with this record, and I'm going to wrap up this disc record part, and this I'm gonna, so we can wrap this up. Um, with this record, with any disc record, you have three things. You go, you go through physical, professional, personal. Okay. And he went, he talked about the physical, you know, obviously we talk about him being white or whatever the fuck, you know. So, went to the physical. Um, that's one P, the professional. So, you talk about, you know, like, you make fun of where he says Eminem needs to stop telling white lies. He's not, you know, top five in him, bigger pock odds or whatever the case may be. Talking about how he never penetrated the culture and shit. So, he's making fun of, um you know, that part of it, which is really important to Eminem, making fun of his career. You know, Eminem has said he's always wanted to make sure that he had the respect of the culture, and he's saying you're, he's basically writing him off, you know. So he made fun of the physical, said he wants black skin, all that shit, the professional, and the personal, where he goes in um, talking about his mom and shit, which I think was one of the best lines on here, was that the, she takes the eight little Debbie, he takes the cakes, he was only 15, like, that whole shit about his mom being embarrassed and giving up her dreams, I think that was some of the most hard hit, hardest-hitting shit in this disc. Um, but all in all, I think this disc record, people hate it, but I, I find it to be just so well-calculated, man. So I fuck with it. All right, overall, this, album, this is a very, very solid album from Chuck. And that's one of his nicknames, Chuck Taylor. If you guys don't listen to his music, you don't know, but... For those of you do, very solid album from Chuck. He's been quoted as calling this his best album. And while I disagree personally, an argument could be made for this for other game fans. Now, while this album has some amazing hip hop here on here and some amazing high points, there are easily two. There are exactly two things, perhaps the only two things that I take issue with with this album. The first is the title or rather uh, the explanation for the title. The word dramatic is supposedly a 
uh, I forgot I said this word, permantu, um, which brings together two words, drill, slang for the act of killing someone, a.k.a. the heart, and Illmatic, the title of Nas's debut hip-hop classic and the most complex lyrical, one of the most complex lyrical undertakings, a.k.a. the mind. Um, Game said that the two worlds were going to be examined on this album, but the truth is that these songs don't really examine any of that human duality or inner conflict in any real or clear context. In fact, a lot of these records just seem like they just fall on either side of the fence and stay there. So while I love the title and I think that it's creative and fun to say, <laughs> it is not utilized nearly at all in this album experience. And if he would just take out Heart versus Mind, he'd be fine, I feel like. Um, just call it dramatic. We would get the point. The other thing, um, which is the most important thing here, is the length of this album. While it's now 29 tracks since NBA Youngboy's assisted uh, record op has been removed over clearance issues, it originally came in at 30 tracks in a run of one hour and 55 minutes, two hours of music. However good or great the artist there are bound to be tracks that don't belong, tracks that uh, service fillers, and tracks that are just plain not good. This has some of all three. And it's just too long to lock in and critically listen all at once. I've only finished this. It's funny that you said this, Cody. I've only finished this album top to bottom, nonstop, twice. And that's because I took two road trips since it came out. For one person... Not driving cross-country, listening to this often is going to be a feat that takes way too much concentration. It makes replay value for anything outside of your favorite tracks extremely low, which brings me to my question, which is why I wanted you guys to listen to this album. I want to know from you guys, you guys said you're kind of your favorite record, so I'm not going to ask you what are your three fa best songs in this album anymore. But I will ask you guys, what are two or three tracks that you each don't like tracks that you will remove that would make this we all are like it's like a you know you guys said it's like an eight eight point nine you know whatever what tracks would you guys if just you can just choose one a piece i'm not gonna even you know i want to get through the section but drink with the braids <laughs> i knew it i fucking knew it what song? It has nothing even to do with drake i can even say bad things about drake because of it but that dude you did not need to put that in there. That's the, that okay. What song? So that there's two th tracks that I skip, and that's one of them. The other one is easy, because Kanye West. I, I don't need to listen to that for the third time. Stop recycling your shit, you know. Damn. <laughs> well, that was a, that was the first single. That's right. Even a, it makes Olivia sad too. Hear that? <laughs> that was the first single. So yeah, I, I kind of skip easy uh, now because I baby sad. So. Russell, what do you, what is your what is the worst track? What is the track you would pull off that you think would raise this point to a to a nine for you? I honestly, um, I can't even remember. Like, maybe it's because they were just that bad that I just didn't put them in my mind. But I just, I just pointed out the ones that like really stood out to me as far as like I will listen to these over and over again. So I don't know, man. Um, I really don't have an answer for that. Uh, okay. Okay. And I kind of just listen to like I listen to this for the see like maybe maybe twice all the way through, um, and then I got like I said got stuck on uh, was it No Man Falls right. like six times I had to listen to it like like six times it was just like 
it just really pulled me into that to, to the CD. Uh, but I, I really can't think of like what's like the worst track or something like that. Like it probably just didn't register to me, so that might maybe why it, it is the worst track or worst tracks. I can't really even tell you. I probably have to go back through the album and, and like really sit down and, and listen again like that. But gotcha. I can only tell you what I like. I told, I told McCoy too. I forget what the track of this song is, but I was like, every time it comes on, every single time, like, who's this chick that's singing in there too? And I look it up and it's Jeremy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, fucking, uh, that's the uh, no polo lounge. No smoking the polo lounge. I love that beat. You're the one that I see. Um, okay, so tracks I love uh, that I listen to all the time. Um, Twisted, number one, I go back to that all the time. Black Some Shady. Outside, as you said, Russell, one of the best. Money, Cash, Clothes. What We Not Gonna Do, Home Invasion, and Talk To Me Nice. I, You could pull those and make an EP, and that would be like my favorite EP. Tracks that I would remove. Tracks that I would remove. These tracks slow the album down and seem like things that could be could have been left on the cutting room floor. One time, Voodoo, changed the game. Even though I like that they use that sample, Heart vs. Mine. I know y'all like this one, but Chrome Slugs and Harmony. This song is horrible to me, but I love Herbo's voice. But everything about it, I don't think they flipped the beat well enough to me. And I hate Lil Wayne singing that. Blah, that it, but he man, shut your ass up. Ruby Rose. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the one I hate. Yeah, no. Um, Ruby Roses. I, Ruby's Rose, I hate that. Um, Nick, Nikki Beach, bro. What in the flying fuck was going on in there? What were they doing in that studio? Get him and Tory Lanez and fucking... Even his versus Cornball, like... Games versus Corn. That's the corniest game verse I ever heard. Um, 38 Special, even though I laugh at Blueface opening line every time. I can talk about baby mama out her panty draws. Um, save the best for last. Boo, shut it, Rick Ross. And 10... Ah, which is now off. The problem is these ten records are not at all hard to come come up with. These t- the ten records were not hard to come up with for me. So this could easily be a shorter album and more concise, at mm-hmm. thirteen to eighteen tracks. If if the West Coast veteran had a you know had taken the time, that lack of replay value does put this outing from game at a super solid eight. I think we all saw it about as about an eight. This album was was shortened, and and uh, remaining tracks reined in a little bit. Uh, this would be one of the game's best albums. Uh, it is one of the game's best albums, but it could be like I would say like one, top one or two. But since it's not, it leaves this album stuck in a what if type of purgatory for me. But still a solid eight. But while this album isn't perfect, it still has a special place in my heart and mind. So, there you go. I'm sorry, y'all. I told you y'all I had a lot to say about this album, and it was going to be long, pause, but there we go. So, but now it's time for Russell Prosity. All right. Um, so, last week, we were, or the last pod, I should say, uh, we were talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, from physio- uh, physiological basics, sleep, food, shelter, accessory, uh, et cetera, then uh, security and safety, including health, employment, family, social status, and then ending off with 
loving belonging stage. I'm talking about different levels of intimacy and connection. So uh, today I wanted to try and cover the last two stages. So um, let's jump right in. Uh, the first one being self-esteem. So that's the penultimate stage of the hierarchy of needs. Um, and one of the, the first quotes that came to my mind when I when I saw this uh, was, esteem of your motherfucking self, bitch. Uh, <laughs> to quote Cat Williams. <laughs> How could I affect your esteem? It's called self-esteem. It's like, that was just the first thing that popped in my head. It was, it was uh, hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. It made me laugh every fucking time. I have to say it. Uh, Steam on your motherfucking self. It's the motherfucking, bro. Like, he was mad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So let's talk confidence. That's the first concept that's listed here. Um, this, I I personally struggled with um, heavy growing up. Um, I had terrible self-esteem and, and self-image stemming from a low grade of confidence. I used to joke about my um, perceived shortcomings to keep those around me laughing instead of digging deep into how I really felt or how I viewed myself. And I think that's that's kind of something that a lot of us do. Um, we detach and we um, deflect um, to prevent people from really seeing who we think we are instead of allowing them to make their own uh, judgments and decisions about who they feel we are. Because usually it's not as bad as we make it out to believe, but because we live with ourselves and we um, are so deep into ourselves that we can't see that from the outside looking in, that there's a difference that people see in us. Um, there may be a light that they see in us that we don't see in ourselves because we are so swallowed in our own darkness. Um, so others would try and convince me otherwise, but I didn't believe in myself, nor did I really work on believing it, which I think was the bigger issue, um, is not trying to work on yourself, not really believing that you are worthy. Um, I, th I think that's 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 the, the more sadder <laughs> thing there. Um, and then this is further broken down into a few different other concepts as far as what self-esteem um, is, basically. Um, before I continue, do any of you guys ever had or have ever had a specific experience or a, a, a specific memory of where you felt like you didn't have any confidence or you maybe had a, a, a great show of confidence? Any, uh -oh. any of those man. memories? Out? I, ooh, I can tell you right now, man. Growing up, I had... Uh, growing up, I was a very chubby kid, um, and I mean, y'all know if you if you're a listener to this pod, you know me. I was you know dweeby, you know kind of nerdy, you know. <laughs> um, I was always, and, and this continued throughout my teenagers. I was always too black for the white kids, but too mm. white for the black I kids. Do. You know how that go. Um, yeah. <laughs> what up, my nigga? Um, but so yeah, so yeah, I really, I really didn't feel like, man, I could go, I could, <laughs> I could go to the deep into this, but I just always felt like the, 
the ugliest friend or the fucking like the fat. Like, yeah. I, I was like fat. Like it, it, it was. It wasn't as I was like nineteen, mm-hmm. and I found myself in through rap that my confidence changed for the better. Because I mean, if you know me now, you know I I try to exude confidence and I try to give that to people. In in yeah. and you know I try to let them know like don't ever because you don't. If you've been there, like I was as a growing up, as a teenager trying to, you yeah. know, if you've been there, then you know you don't want other people to be in that in that space. And so, right. as a friend and as a just an associate, I've always tried to have energy to let people know, hey, no, you're the shit, you're the shit, you know you're the shit, and you just and whether you feel like it, I'm gonna tell you the shit, and I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you get, you know, it is self esteem, but I'm gonna make you gain some of what I feel because I felt that as a child growing up man I was like I just did not right. like myself so yeah I got I got um, a bunch of memories the fuck <laughs> oh, man. I think that kind of goes into the the next stage that we're going to talk about it just a, a little bit uh, but being to the point where it's not something that you feel like you necessarily maybe have to work on as hard but now you're working on instilling that in other people so that they don't feel how you felt I think that's um, a great um, example of someone who is self-actualized in certain certain aspects to where it's more than just an esteem thing now. Now you want to grant that to other people. Right. Yep. Yep. That's just... It's... How about... Go ahead. I was going to say, how about you, Cody? Anything that sticks out as far as either extreme confidence or extreme lack thereof? <laughs> Probably, but I'm feeding the baby right now. Can I make it noisy? So I'll, I'll let you guys uh, dialogue together. Can I? Can I? And I have to ask for permission, Cody. Can I maybe chime in on one that I? Not it's nothing super personal, but something that I've noticed that I try to help you with. You can also. Uh, you can also we'll, cut it. I was out. gonna say we'll see if I edit it out. Yeah. Or not. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Cody plays. Cody plays instruments, and when when I first met Cody. First met Cody, uh, we clicked like right away. This is why he's my friend to this day, and we, you know, have a podcast, all that shit. Um, and we would get into we wasting no time, <laughs> right? No, yeah, no. It was sitting like me and him were hanging out strong within three weeks of him being like we were at each other's houses and shit like that. Like just afterward, it was good times, man. Um, <laughs> I told you, man. <laughs> I told you. I'm sorry. No, but, um, I mean Cody would. He played instruments. He would bring because we were like rapping and you know making music, and mm-hmm. he, he had so many instruments. He played guitar, all this other shit. And I'm like, this is like you're, he was dope to like cool to me, mm-hmm. and he just wouldn't like when it came to like singing or like actually playing it in front of me in the beginning and shit like that. Like he was just really like he would play it and be like, but yeah, and I'm not that good and shit like that. And I just as his friend, I just wanted to be like, bro, you are the shit. Like the fact you can play this shit. And I like, and I'm still mad that to this day we haven't released music because I'm like, I want to get you on a record. I want you to just kind of feel that shit and go crazy right. on the guitar and like belt out whatever like lyrics you got or whatever the fuck. Like I always wanted to push Cody, um, his confidence with his music through the roof because I was, I could feel like he fucked with music so heavy. Um, and yeah. so that was just something that I noticed. And I don't know where he is. With, <laughs> she said, "Stop talking about it right now." <laughs> That's my daddy. Um, I don't know where his confidence is with that right now to today. Um, but I just wanted him to know that he was dope with you know all of the shit that he does with music. So, 
Thank you. I uh, I don't know why. I love playing guitar like so much. I'll get lost, but I uh, I, I feel like I've never been it's almost like a shy spectrum like i've never been comfortable playing in front of others i just want to be alone play you know yeah no i feel that i feel that man i feel that. i would that's that's how i was growing up writing raps and shit like i was like the chubby kid type shit like but i was like always good with words and shit um mm-hmm. and so like i was always my whole thing was english and writing and shit even though i don't know, don't know what the sin means um <laughs> I, like, I was writing stories and shit, like, when I was in third grade, man. I remember getting up in front of the class and trying to do that because I just wanted to, like, create stories. And when I was eight, I rapped to, um, my dad had this, like, the old school gray boom box, man. And I got by myself and I rapped to the boom box. And I remember it was, like, a stupid ass, like, rhyme about the bulls, the bucks, and nunchucks or some shit like that. And... <laughs> Um, but I remember being so happy by myself just rapping to this fucking tape deck. Um, and that's kind of what sparked, like, okay, you, you like this Tupac shit. Maybe you should do what he's doing. And then you, like, bust around. You should do, you know, they're cool to you. You should do that shit. And so. Some bullies said that to me at school once. Maybe you should be like Tupac and die. I'm just kidding. Wait, what? I was (laughs) like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, what the? Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, no, so that's just, uh. I don't know, like, it was like, I was afraid to, to, until I was about 19, shout out, the Asian guy called me, he was like, yo, you want to go to the studio? And I had had, I had notebooks full of raps, bro, that I had written throughout high school and middle school and shit. And I was like, yeah, I do. And I did, and I remember the track was horrible, but it was like the first bit of like, okay, I got to start doing this for real in front of people, and it just took off. So, yes, I get it, bro. Like, just kind of being, escaping through your little art by yourself, not letting nobody see it. I get it, man. Totally. Yeah. And, like, because my family is so musically inclined, um, everybody sings or plays an instrument or something like that. Um, Notice that real quick, McCoy. He said inclines, not declines. <laughs> <laughs> noting, noting. It's in sin looking at us. Um, Everybody, so our, our family was kind of known for just being musical. And when I first started singing, a lot of the time, I sang all the time to the point where it was annoying. Not that my, my voice was terrible. It was just, it was annoying. I was a little kid and I was just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and so everybody would always tell me, oh my God, would you shut up? Da, 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 da. But I took it to heart because I thought it was just, I was terrible because my family was known for singing. Um, for a long time, I just felt like, well, damn, I'm a suck, so I just don't sing. And it got me into playing instruments um, or trying to learn how to play. And, and um, I got the demand for singing more than I got playing because, you know, I was still in the beginning stages of it. And it wasn't until I got to maybe like high school um, that I really felt okay with singing. Um, of course, a friend of mine tricked me into doing it, but um, <laughs> it, it really boosted my confidence as far as singing in that regard. And it's funny now that the tables have turned so that um, people knew me for singing and not much for playing then, but now they know me more for playing than they do singing. And so it's funny that I go to these events and, you know, I'm just enjoying the song, kind of singing to myself, 
And people who've known me most of my life are like, dog, I keep forgetting you can fucking sing. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Um, the actual story that I wanted to tell as far as the confidence thing um, is a pretty hilarious one to me. Um, so I was at this summer camp. I think I was going into eighth grade. Yeah, going into eighth grade. And so um, those who were high achievers in school always got to go to, like, different camps and things um, over the summer. Um, and this one was... Um, it was like a hippie camp, dog. It was like, it was like really, really ethereal. Like, you feel your surroundings and all that bullshit. Um, and at that time, I had terrible self-esteem and was terrible with talking to women, uh, especially. Um, hilariously so. Like, <laughs> remembering this shit is, is hilarious to me. Um, going through the the camp, uh, um, I, I meet these, these cats from Chicago. Um, real smooth cool ass dude, like real gentleman type cat who really had a heart for people, but because their accent was so aggressive in the way they talked to people was so <laughs> so demonstrative, um, it just made the people judge them poorly. So it was a it was an interesting contrast because they were teaching you like, you know, um how to be like at peace and how to, you know, not choose violence and things like that. Like just like basic shit that you would expect to come from like them old fifties and forties black and white movies, yep, yep. Uh, but coming out of the mouth of somebody who sound like like a harsher Kanye or um, <laughs> a, a, a DMX type of voice, you know what I mean? Shit was funny to me. Um, so the whole camp, they noticed that I had eyes for this one Asian girl who we'll call him L. Uh, <laughs> to um put her name out there. Um, so they saw my gaze wander a few times in the different ac activities that we were doing in her direction and immediately picked up on my intent. Uh, suffice I'm to sorry, say that I'm coming up with all these jokes while I'm on mute right now. I'm like, Wait, <laughs> you're holding someone's gaze? There's gaze there too? When you were like, there's a special camp for uh, for like people who really exceed in class. I'm like, oh, that's where everybody went. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go on. <laughs> It was a concentration camp. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, suffice it to say, <laughs> right. Suffice it to say, they were really um, trying to pump me up to get to go talk to her, and I wasn't going. Um, so one day there was a there was a gathering in the rec hall where people would go to like listen to music and they hang their friends and eat and and for those who were like coupled up, there was, was a place for them to be like somewhat intimate, uh, not too terribly that it was like, oh, what the fuck are y'all doing here? But, you know, like, <laughs> just like the hand-holding and cuddling and kissing and shit like that. Okay. And so Elle was there with uh, a few friends she met and connected with. Uh, I was in the place, and... She, you want to go to the bathroom and hold some hands? <laughs> no, I was just in the place for chilling. And so they, they was like, yo, just go talk to her, dude. And I'm like, nah, son. So I get up to leave. <laughs> he said, nah, son. Why these cats get to chasing me. Now, this cat was surrounded by, like, woods and, and rivers and shit. Like, like, it was a real surreal, serene, hippie-type environment and shit. And these niggas is chasing me through the woods uh, until they caught me. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, you're going to say something to her today, boss, and literally pick me up and placed me directly in front of her, saying, like, hey, yo, my boy got something to say. 
I was totally dead inside. I fucking ran away, dude. <laughs> you, wait, you ran again? I ran the fuck <laughs> away. Like, Damn. cartoon dust clouds behind me and shit. <laughs> He said, dude, that's... He's got something to say to you. Uh, uh, you better go catch it. That's what I said to her. I was physically terrified and shaking and embarrassed. Like, it was like one of the worst but funniest experiences I've ever had in my life because looking back on it, it was like, nigga, just say something. Like, wow. you know what I'm saying? She's just another person. Just talk to her. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> man. Yeah, but damn. The feelings would overwhelm me to the point where I was like, ah, uh, uh, I'm nervous. And I'm like, looking back on it, like, I don't even realize, uh, I don't even understand, like, why I was nervous. But it was because of the lack of self-confidence and the self-esteem, because I judged myself lower than her instead of being an equal. Um, and that had to come with with experience and with the support of different people, sorry, my friends and family. Um, one of the biggest um, influencers in my life who really pushed me into the realm of having better self-esteem and, and more confidence in myself, uh, honestly and oddly enough, is Art um, McCoy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was really big on like, yo, dude, you was a dope-ass nigga. Like, I need you to realize that because it's funny because a lot of people... And even he himself would say he has a God complex when it comes to a lot of things, um, especially women. And you can see that, um, that it not just pours down from you know, his father, but other family members, they have this high esteem for themselves. And, uh, Wait, is this a person named Art? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Man, I was going to make a joke earlier and say Art Garfunkel, and damn near you're talking about Art Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, he was my best friend for for the longest time, and it's not just because of you know the us, money, us being uh, into video games together type of shit. It was on some real deep like taking care of each other type of shit. Like you know, I look out for you, you look out for me, and he's always had that heart for the people he um, has in his circle. Uh, and it's shown me basically how to value myself and how to push value into others, like you were saying before, McCoy. Right. Um, so when you get to a, a, a level of, of confidence and, and self-esteem that you can be like, all right, now I want you to feel the same thing because I don't want you to feel this because I've already gone through this, so you don't have to go through that. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly, man. I, I just And it's crazy because, you know, knowing you i couldn't even see you being scared you know and it's it, you obviously wait before i go on how old were you when you were at this camp like how what age range was this oh, it was like eighth grade so i was probably mm -hmm. like 13 12, 12 13 ish yeah 12 13 yeah um okay and that is um i mean we're not rust now so we didn't even picture him game banging or whatever before right yeah <laughs> that's true all the shit like it's like Selling stuff I wasn't supposed to be selling. Um, uh, man, I wish you was still selling. Oh, looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a totally different, uh, <laughs> totally different persona person. Um, even in high school, I used to joke with um, my, my friends in high school that man, for ugly nigga, I got plenty of game type shit. <laughs> um, because 
as they would say, my rap sheet would speak for itself. Like, you know, you don't fucking miss. And I'm like, you know, even with the low self-esteem, I still shot for the fences. <laughs> you had to, bro. You got, listen, man, you miss every shot you don't take, but I'm telling you, uh, what yeah. you, dog, what, and it's crazy. Shout out Marquette because that was another little step, like, in step up in confidence. Um, because going to Marquette made me realize, like, oh, yeah, I want to have sex with women. So if that's gonna <laughs> if that's gonna be happening, like I remember, dude, I will never forget this day. Just being in in, in a class, first week of freshman year, and I just happened to look around. It had to be like day three or four. It was you like just looked up and I looked around I'm like, bro, what the fuck? I'm like, bro, I go to an all boys school. Like if I'm going to ever be fucking, oh, this shit gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pick it up and. That year, <laughs> that it was from that day. This is like the first week in school. It was from that day that I got to it. Like got to it, talking to like I would talk to females on the bus stop. Shit, like man, it was it. It kind of especially early on. It got once I was like, fuck this. I'm just gonna say like <laughs> the amounts of random conversations <laughs> I was having with women was probably like oh see, um, but you know, hey man, I was like you gotta gotta make it happen, and eventually yeah. it oh it happened so. Let me let me flex my shit for for just one second. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> so Marquette was, was a turning point for me as far as the whole singing thing. Like I said, a, a friend of mine or a couple friends of mine uh, did me bogus. <laughs> Bitch ass uh, nigga, the fuck? No, <laughs> no, they 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 they, uh, they really pushed me to get out there. Um, oh, okay, got it. Sorry. So, good, yeah, good, ass good friends of mine. So good ass niggas. Pull it back. <laughs> uh, um, we were in gospel choir, and so this was the first time we were doing a combined gospel choir with um, the girls from uh, St. Joan. And so they were planning to do this, like, big um, concert for, like, the first thing or whatever, uh, first major event for the school year. Um, it was my sophomore year um, at Marquette. And so we were on stage, and this is the first time I met my guy Lincoln, Lincoln Russell, who um, is a dope musician, one of the, the best in Milwaukee, in my opinion, as far as the gospel scene goes. Uh, even the jazz scene goes. That guy got some jazz chords. But uh, he, he um, was playing this song, uh, and they were trying to figure out who was going to lead it. And so I had my back to the teacher, and I was talking to a couple of my friends, uh, David and Kyle, and we were um, just ribbing people and just being <laughs> ourselves and shit like that. And so then I turned around to see what the teacher was saying and she had needed a volunteer for this song. And so everybody fucking stepped back like it was a, uh, a rom-com and shit and left me standing out front. And so she was like, Russell, good. You got a volunteer? I'm like, what? what? Volunteer for what? And it's like, for the singing. And didn't you step forward? I'm like, no, no, I did not. Because right. at this time, I was still fairly um, stage frightish when it came to um, um, singing. Right. And so this this is before, like, Lincoln knew me, and we hang, hung out, and he was, like, taking me all the different places so that we could hang out and, and enjoy music and shit like that. Um, he was like, okay, you know... Um, I'm like, what key you playing this shit in? He was like, oh, you know music. All right, cool. He's like, I'm, uh, I got you in G. I'm like, G, all right. I think I can sing that. And so the song was the Battle, Battle Hymn of the Republic. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that song. Not Battle at Hymn all. Of the Republic. Not at all. Okay, so 
I'll give you the first line because this is what I sang before everybody exploded, even in rehearsal and at the concert. Like they had to rush me out of that shit. It was crazy. Um, Damn, Michael Jackson. So <laughs> right, and I, I don't. I was like confused from like <clears throat> nobody had ever responded that way to me singing before, and so I was like, "What the fuck is going on? This is terrifying." You know, did I do something wrong? Type of shit. You know right. what I'm saying? All coming from the low self-esteem um, point of view. And so the song goes, <clears throat> and this is what I sang. I go, "My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord," and I just did that, and everybody just started. Wigging out, and I'm like, "What the fuck just happened?" Type of shit. You know what I'm saying? Then <laughs> you got up off the key, uh, the piano and was like, "Nigga, we finna do some shit." I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and so it really, like that, just that little instance of seeing everybody respond the way they did was much different from how I was used to. So it started to build my confidence in singing at least a little bit more. Right. Um, it also showed me the fake side of people because a lot of the motherfuckers who didn't want to speak to me all of a sudden had a lot of shit to say to me. Oh man, don't you just it's crazy how that how that happens, man. Like confidence confidence in yourself draws people in. Like confidence in yourself will make other people it's almost like shout out T S he had this thing where he used to be like, man, if you walk into a if you walk into a place like you belong there, nobody's gonna question it. But if you start if you walk yeah. into a place and you look around like what oh like hope nigga don't look at me, then that's when people are going to question you. Right. So it's it's like... Or in a way that, you know, oh, you don't belong here. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. You got to walk with... Con- and that's and that's just in on the grander scheme of, of things in life. You walk with confidence, motherfuckers are going to respect you in a way that, you know, it's easy to pick on the guy who has low self-esteem, low self-confidence. You know, you're not going to pick... Right. The bully's not picking them. Not even the bullies. I say with the popular people because... There can be bullies below self esteem, but like the popular people who walk in confidence aren't messing with each other. They trying to find somebody because they're assholes and really do hate themselves in it deep inside. They're trying to find somebody with low self esteem. Right, the bullies. Right, exactly. <laughs> so like, man. So yeah, exactly. You know what? Yeah, them assholes, bitch ass niggas. Um, <laughs> not good ass niggas. Um, they're gonna pounce on somebody who doesn't have, who's not walking with their head held high type shit, and so. Man, it's crazy how even even bullying changes when you walk with confidence, man. I feel like it's like it's hard for a nigga to step on you when you like, nah, nigga, I know who the fuck I am type shit. So it's it's, it's right. clear, man. Stand it tall. I feel you. Whew. So one of the uh the other concepts that are listed here is um achievement. Um it is said to play into one's self esteem. And I think this is to be true, especially for a lot of men. Um, they need to have accomplished something to feel accomplished or to be working on something or working towards something, uh, I think that's a major driving force for some of us. Uh, some of us are content with not doing anything, not going anywhere, not wanting to be anything more. Um, and that's perfectly fine if that's where you're content. Um, I myself have a need to do something with my talent, with my earned pedigree, something in my field. Uh, I would also like it to you, Cody, uh, you going after those promotions and, um, 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 steadily rising higher um, in whatever you do, and then McCoy, you having your own business and still hustling on the side to to maintain that and to um, have something that you can speak for, and then um, of course TS searching for the golden bird or bird or <laughs> now I guess whatever the fuck y'all eating. Um, Living my wine. But 
Right. Lemon That's stupid. Why would they say that? Good times. But I think also the next concept also plays into the achievement. Um, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just thought about the pictures from yesterday. <laughs> Continue, bro. <laughs> uh, respect from others uh, kind of falls in the same sentiment to me as achievement sometimes. Because sometimes the achievement is something personal, and hopefully that is a motivation for striving for it. Um, and other times it is for the respect and admiration of others. Um, the need to feel valuable or worth something is a well-starved beast for some. Having no sense of worth for yourself can definitely lead you on a path that is dangerous and leave you at the mercy of others. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing because you, you want to be respectable, um, and have some sort of self-respect to where people won't look down on you or they see what you're doing. But always pining for that respect from others can be detrimental, in my opinion. Um, the need to be or appear unique can be on both sides of the spectrum. Um, many need to feel unique as some sort of status that separates them from others while some desire to be seen as unique to be accepted by their peers. Mm. Um, and I think the hierarchy speaks to how this stage can be really dependent on how one's childhood was regarding the validation or lack thereof one receives as a child. Uh, it can be the reason why people seek validation so heavily or learn to validate themselves to push them into that next stage which is on this pyramid self-actualization. You see a lot of that in the different social media um, sites as far as IG, uh, Facebook, even um, Twitter and, and Snapchat uh, to where people are really searching for that validation. They, they do it for the likes, uh, doing it for the grand. Um, it's, it's a phrase that was really popular for a couple of years. Or do it for the vine uh, for those who um, also, we're on that platform that people would do things just for their 15 minutes, 15 seconds, however many, however long um, instance of fame that they could get. Uh, one of the most interesting quotes that I've heard regarding that whole thing is from Daniel Tosh. Um, and he was like, you know, everybody gets their 15 minutes, but he was like, you know, Andy Warhol was on drugs when he said that, right? Uh, <laughs> and he was like, and that's just um, an average, an average of 15 minutes. Um, for some, it may be um, one minute, it may be 15, it may be 30 years. Um, everybody has varying degrees of that 15 minutes that they can, they can get. So it's not something that you, you should actively strive for, um, perfecting your craft or um uh, achieving your ambition should be more the focus rather than just that little instance of if I can get on, then I, I'll be on type of shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I've always, that, especially on social media, man, um, you know, one of my, I've always felt, and I've said this before, that like narcissistic 
for even having social media. I've always felt like that was um, a way to, for people to just do, like, it just screams, social media screams, look at me. And sometimes even when I post d- funny shit, dumb shit, serious, I'm like, why? Why am I Why am I posting this instead of actually, like, self-reflecting and getting past it? Or, like, I don't know. Like, something about social media has always felt really narcissistic to me. And I feel like that is part of that, you know, 15 minutes is, like, even if... And, I, and I'm real enough for myself and not self-righteous enough to try to pretend, like, I don't see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it just makes me feel like, man, you should I be doing something else because I feel like this all plays into that wanting to be seen whether it's for five minutes, 15 minutes or for years, you know, you know, niggas are trying to get the next viral tweet or something that's going to hit and stick or, you know, you like swinging it, you know, trying to knock shit out the park and just get one that, you know, hold for, you know, however many years or whatever, you know, on social media. So yes, I, that 15 minutes of fame thing is such a, a, a weird it's just a weird way to behave in, to me. But then it's like, who am I to like say that it's necessarily wrong to do? It's just so, it's so weird at times for me. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to consider the drive, consider the motivation behind it. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to get famous in order to kind of spread what you think your purpose is um, or just to be able to make enough to where you're comfortable and you can take care of your family type of thing. I think there's a motivation behind all of it, but if it's just to, um, just to be the best, that's another type of motivation. Um, it all depends on where you go with this motivation um, and what it turns you into, because I think that's the most important thing. If it turns you into a monster, then maybe that's not something for you. You know? Right, right, for sure, for sure. Right. So self-actualization is the last and the ultimate level listed in this pyramid, um, need-wise, the need to be full, false. Um, it it takes what the other level levels um, describe as needs and shows the full capability of what those characteristics can be or desire. Um, so the physiological or, or physiologically being competent meaning to possess and routinely meet the physical needs of the body while also pushing oneself to be healthy in all aspects. Um, safety and security, establishing a domain, securing said domain, but going beyond personal security into self-governing where you're also making sure in your security that others get a sense of your fortitude and temperance, providing a possible safe space for them or pushing them into being a better version of themselves, whether it's by actually um, giving them advice to be a better person or because they see your example, they want to be more like you. Um, kind of what you were just talking about, McCoy, as far as like, um, I've been here before, so I don't want you to have to go through the same thing, so let me show you, let me give you some advice, let me boost you up so that you don't feel as low as I was. Um, it's also creating a space for them if they desire a connection and not a parasitic or symbiote type of attachment. Being more than just simply employed, but being resourceful and somewhat uh, autonomous, but not neglecting the cooperation and work with others. Um, 
a lot of times when we do seek employment, we do seek to do things ourselves. And as I've said on multiple pods before, um, life is like a multiplayer game where you do have a campaign of some sorts, but there are times where you need to play well or um, be in support and be supported by others. With the, the connection level, um, working on pure forms of intimacy with family and friends instead of trying to build bonds in the shadow of behavior learned from trauma or poorly shown behaviors misconstrued as love and affection. Um, there's a lot of people who are suffering from different traumas and different things from childhood, from, from so-called friends, from people who should have been uh, a family to us, but because they were dealing with their own demons or dealing with their own uh, misgivings due to their childhood traumas, they inflicted a wound on us that we weren't ready for, we didn't understand at the time, and it's affecting how we behave today, um, which is why um, I and Cody and the rest of the members of this group really push that therapy narrative because um, it is well worth it for you to be mentally healthy or to be striving to be mentally healthy, healthy because it affects every facet and every part of your life and every part of those whom you interact with uh, on a regular basis because your trauma shines through no matter what you think you're hiding or how you think you're hiding, it will always shine through and it will always affect things, uh, maybe in the smallest of ways at first, but uh, they can grow to grander size problems if not taking the time to really sit with yourself or sit with someone who has been professionally trained to help you realize those things and help you develop um, behaviors and, and other things to put in place to help you overcome that and to be a more whole version of yourself. One of the things that um, self-actualization promotes is uh, comfort. So comfortable acceptance of others and most importantly, oneself capable of sound judgment and having a sense of direction, even when the move is not moving at all. I found that interesting uh, as saying that even when the move is not moving at all, so that there may be something that you're doing in this place while you're being patient, while you're waiting, while you're building um, yourself up to move to that next level, that is still a move. That's still a direction that you're going in. So don't feel like even if you're stuck in one place, quote unquote, stuck, um, that you're not doing anything um, if you're really trying to improve yourself while you're stuck in that place. Having a strong sense of self-being, having a strong strength, sense of self-agreeableness in the sense that you're not worrying what others think um, while still having a sense of duty and morality. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with that because it's human to worry about what other people think, what other people think of you and, and how they view you and, 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 and the impression you give off. But I think it's much more difficult to allow those thoughts to consume you rather than working on how do you feel about yourself? 
Now, working on yourself does seem like the toughest thing because it's like this is something that you're not used to and it's something that is is hard because it's you, but struggling to maintain an image for other people that doesn't fit with you, I think is one of the most, most um, problematic and one of the most difficult things to do because at the end of the day, you really don't know who you are anymore. You know what I mean? Right, for sure, for sure. Like... Whew, it's just kind of finding yourself can and that can the weird thing about finding or figuring out who you are and all of this like self actual actual um what's the word self you just said it um finding yourself and through all, throughout all of this you can you can find yourself and then lose yourself again just how Eminem. <laughs> you can find yourself and literally lose yourself again um at at times in my That's adult me. life. In, in times mm-hmm. of my, right, like, in, in my adult life, I felt like I, when I turned 19 and 20, oh my God, like, I just knew, I just knew who I was, and then <laughs> shit gets hard, and you know, you do, because we were consistently dealing with, you know, mental stability, and make, making sure, like, we're taking care of self, and from everything, from the way you are living, to the, what you're consuming, and how, you know, all of what you're processing, like, can start to alter that, and then we're, once I'm, like, started to lose some of my you know, traction of who I thought I was. And then, you know, I gained it right back. And then I've it's fluctuated the last few years. And, like, I finally feel like I'm, like, getting to a point where I'm like, nah, 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 you still that nigga, you getting back, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I went through a, a period, or even on the outside, where I was, like, still pumping other people up. I was like, Ugh, I don't know, man, like, about myself. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's rough, especially when, for a person like me and I'm Russell, you probably can attest to this. When you're the friend that gives that type of energy off, mm-hmm. it's hard. Like I don't want my friends to see me falter because I'm yeah. like, my job is to be the glue, you know, to like make sure that everybody's like happy. It's like to provide that shit. It's like like I feel like if my mood is off or down, shit's gonna be fucked up because I help to like curate the mood almost you know what i'm saying bring the energy type shit and so it's like it's it's been at times hard um so so just finding yourself and like learning who you are is a mm-hmm. is an ongoing process because as humans we change too yeah. daily you know you, you learn something new you gain a piece of knowledge about the world and then that alters who you are um and so yeah man it's, it's let me let me blow your mind for a minute um that's trauma behavior G. Damn. Feeling like you have to be the glue is trauma behavior. <laughs> I had to learn that uh, myself. Uh, it is unfair to you for you to always be the pump and prime for other people. It's unfair to you. Um, that comes from uh, uh, a, a real. <laughs> that comes from a real place of trauma uh, because. Your well-being is just as important as, as everyone else's, and it is okay that's, to not feel okay. That's the same boat as uh, if you like people pleasing. Like if you yes. always feel like you have to say yes or just do what people say or what you think they or like don't say what you really feel because you don't want to hurt somebody and you're not even yeah. fully aware that that's all the same boat. Trauma right. behavior. Right, and you're hurting and yourself. And then the, the I'm gonna bounce. Okay. This okay. is going on longer than the game album, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. All right, all take right. it easy, guys. Love you. Yeah, love yeah, you, man. Yeah. Love you, too. 
Um, and so that's that's um, that's that's really a trauma response to, um, to where at times you feel like you know you're not good enough because you're not where you think you should be, um, or you're not being the person that you think you should be for those people. Um, that's 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 trauma. G. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, Damn. Not only that, but, I'm traumatized. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, uh, I'm gonna blow your mind once again. Um, the points at where we think we found ourselves, we find ourselves at only that level. So oh, the fact wow. that we lose ourselves is because we're developing into someone stronger. We're developing into someone that's at a higher level. And so um, that growth is is usually pain. Pain is usually associated with, with growth because you have growth spurts and your body's feeling all weird and you might have like pain in your your your, um, your legs or your, your arms or whatever because your body is changing into who you need to be at the matured state of state of your body um and so you have awkwardness you have discomfort um you have even some actual pain because of that but that's morphing you into who you who you need to be and we don't recognize that from a mental perspective and we feel like man i just don't know myself anymore when this is the turn to um, really learn that a lot of the things that you used to learn, you used to love, um, were either based on on childhood fear, childhood trauma, childhood likes, and things of that nature. And you're discovering that you're more eclectic than you than you give yourself credit for. You're discovering that you like things outside of your comfort zone because you weren't allowed to venture out of that as a child. So there's a lot of things that are changing, a lot of things that are changing um, mentally, that uh, mentally, emotionally. Um, that you're being more uh, exposed to so that now you're seeing things from a different perspective, but you're still trying to hold on to that, that perspective you have because you think that's who you are. Mm, mm, mm. Damn. Damn. Jean-Claude so Van Damme. Just to Rob Van Damme. Right. To kind of wrap this whole thing up, because um, this is this is an interesting thing. Uh, if y'all get the chance to, I really uh, want y'all to like look up this stuff and and really dig into what self actualization is. But this is the level that we should all be striving for and continuing to strive for. Um, even if we may not reach the state we desire to, we only fail if we give up. The try and fail will always be greater than the give up. Okay. Damn. Ooh, that was a that was a prosthetic for y'all ass. God damn. Um, so Cody Cody has departed, but we gonna go ahead and wrap this up. This was a good ass episode, man. We had some shit Cody going has on. Descended. Right, <laughs> he has descended. <laughs> I didn't even put that in the chat. I got to the shit. Um, man. Um, I was gonna. I, I had a, a fucked up story, and I had a fun fact. But I'm gonna just say the fun fact. I'm gonna say the fucked up story for next week. Just so y'all know, it's in relation to Tiffany Haddish and Aries Spears. Weirdos. Um, but fun fact. <laughs> if you don't sing like Russell, you might want to shut your ass up in North Carolina because it is illegal to sing off-key in that state. This has been episode 115. One thicket, thicket, 15. You feel me? Of Not Politically Correct. It's your boy, Rue McCoy. Came into what to do, a.k.a. Splash God. You know where I'm at on the social medias. Cody's gone. Russ. Uh, you can find me in the stuff I said earlier. You dig? And on that note, as always, 